0: My name is Graham Walter. and alongside me, as always, is Adam Kowal, and welcome to Atlanta Zone, an Atlanta Sports Podcast. Uh, this is the second part of our two part 2017 Atlanta Braves season preview, where we will be discussing the pitching staff and our overall predictions on how we think the season is going to go down. So, without further ado, Adam, I will turn over to you to get us started on the starting rotation.
1: So Julio, first career. He's got a three
0: thirty nine career ERA, and that includes a
1: really shitty uh, 2015.
0: I think it was like a 4, 5. Yeah. He, he definitely regressed that season. Somewhere so, in there. And I'm not sure if that was attributed to him not adjusting as much and people adjusting to him. But regardless, wasn't his best year. Yeah,
1: I think last year he he kind of proved that was a fluke. And this year, let's hope he just continues that. And he's really just our most reliable pitcher. He's kind of the one sure thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Proved pretty healthy over his career. The guy's still, he's like 25 now.
0: Yeah, something like that, 25, 26. Here's a question for you, though. What do you got? Um, About Julio. Uh, If someone tried to overpay for him, like say for the Shelby Miller deal where they're giving up like in a trade potentially elite prospects, right? Yeah. Considering the pitching depth we have in this organization, which I think is the best in baseball. Would you pull the trigger if you were to get say a Dansby esque, a Dansby Swanson esque player or some, someone of that ilk, if you were to pull off a similar coup that you, uh, that you did with Arizona, would you make the same move if, um, some other team offered you a similar deal? Uh, knowing that Julio is a known commodity, knowing that he can pitch consistently at this level, right? But also, knowing that hey, you got like twelve guys who hopefully you think can eventually come in here and fill the rotation for whatever
1: reason. I feel more inclined to say yes to trading Julio, which is odd considering like the rest of our prospects are unknowns.
0: Um, However, I mean, on paper, they should be some of them. Max Fried, could have Sean could Newcomb. have bigger
1: ceilings than Julio. Yeah.
0: Ian Anderson, I think I. would uh, It's tough. Someone puts a gun to your head. What are you going to do? I mean, if it's a Dansby Ender trade, yeah. Someone says, "Hey, yes. I got, I got, I got a really good catching prospect for you. I got another solid pitching prospect, and here's a decent major league player at some position yeah. that we need, like a a decent third baseman, slightly maybe an above uh, third Adonis baseman, with some yeah,
1: power." So, obviously, maybe, maybe like Matt, a, that's not... A, a switch hitter, Mizuno
0: is his sponsor, and he's got, like, a double toe tap when he hits. Oh, yeah, that guy. That'd yeah. be nice. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, some, something in that ilk where someone's going to reach. Someone's going to make a move that they probably shouldn't make. They think Julio can help them win now kind yeah. of thing. Would I've, you make that move? I think I would. Yeah, it'd be tough because I, I really love Julio and what he's brought, but... um, I mean, he, he's been our only guy for yeah a few years now,
1: yeah. but... I could see, I mean, if someone wants to dangle the world at us, then mm-hmm. I'm, like I said, in copy, I trust. If copy thinks it's the right move, Graham, I mm-hmm. think it's the right move. Fair enough. It's nice to trust a GM for once in our lives. Yeah. Especially when as blunt as he is. Yes. He'll tell us the truth about it. Yep. Right or wrong. But yeah, I mean, Julio's the one given in this rotation. Um, we know he's going to come out there every five days. Give us everything he's got. Mm -hmm. Um, The one thing I would like to see more from Julio this year. So in his career, which is 133 starts, he has five complete games. Mm -hmm. Four of those came in 2014. So, I mean, last year he had a solid year, but just one complete game. And with the way our bullpen was taxed last year, I mean, Julio's really got to go put that on his right arm to give us those innings. And I would like to see some more complete games out of Julio.
0: Yeah, and I think that now that you have guys like uh, Colon, Dickey, and Garcia who have proven to be innings eaters in, in the past, hopefully that onus doesn't fall on him as much. But I agree. I, I, I hope I look for him to go deeper into games because it seems like he will get into the sixth inning sometimes and just kind of run out of gas or lose um, his arm slot a little bit and start messing on location. So I would like to see that too because I think going forward to when we actually start playing competitive baseball and if he's still around, he's going to be a key guy. We're going to need that. Yeah, so I'm I'm totally on board with that. Uh, Yeah, and he's one of those guys. He's not like a strikeout pitcher, per se. No, his, his velocity... He pitches to contact. Yeah, his velocity, you know, when he came up, he was throwing in mid-90s. Now it's kind of getting to the low 90s, so yeah. it's definitely going down, but I think he's. But got he knows more, how to pitch. Exactly. He's got more
1: control over his pitches. Right. So he, he needs to just be pitching to contact early in the count and just getting us those innings and just do it. Keep doing what you're doing, Julio, but let's get, see a few more complete games. Is sure. that fair? That's fair. Okay. All right, we'll move on. So after Julio, we've got our 44-year-old. Is he 44, really? 44 years old.
0: Wow.
1: Our dads were 44 years old when we were like 12. Eight or nine or something like that? Yeah, at Medlock Park. But yeah, 44 years old, Bartolo Colon, the ageless wonder. uh, Big sexy, if you will. Uh, He had some killer workouts in the Dominican Republic, if you've seen that. That uh, video. I still haven't seen it. It won't load for me on Twitter. God, it's glorious. I need to find it. He, he just grabbed like the shittiest, like bungee cords and just jumped around with them. And you just knew Bartolo's ready for
0: 2017. I'm sure his, uh, we're getting the jiggle on. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I love how, how Bartolo, aside from any statistical stuff we'll talk about here, but he, he's a guy that just loves to have fun. He seems to be a guy yeah. that. One can still play really well, which is incredible for his age. Two, you know, is able to inspire that camaraderie on the team. I mean, like, you know, someone was, I think on the Mets, was pointing out his gut, and he just, like, grabbed it and was like, yeah, yeah. fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> Who cares? I'm still playing at 44. Exactly. He's going be in a fucking wheelchair while I'm, you know, still playing when I'm 52 or something like that.
1: Yeah, he's, he's the last the last uh, living. Actually, we have both of the last uh, still-playing expos, Former Expos. Bartolo and who else? And uh, your boy uh, Dat, Dat Dude, BP. Oh, that Dude was on
0: uh, Montreal. okay Yeah, they were
1: traded for each other. That is right. Yeah. That is right. Uh, breaking news. Uh,
0: That's kind of funny that they're on the same
1: team now. Yeah, yeah. But anywho, so old Bartolo, uh, he's one of these three veterans brought in to do kind of what we want Hulu to do, eat up innings. Um so he's had six straight seasons of 150 or more innings pitched and three straight of 190-plus. And for comparison's sake, because those are just numbers, who knows what the hell those mean, uh, last year Julio had 188 innings. Behind Julio was Matt Whistler with 156. Behind him was Folti with 123 in our fourth most innings pitched last year was Bud Norris with
0: 70. Wow. So, yeah, I knew that bullpen was taxed, but that really puts it in perspective. Yeah, pretty pathetic. Um, so,
1: yeah, I mean, that's what Bartolo, Dickey, and Garcia all brought in for give us some decent pitching. We're not expecting the world out of him.
0: Yeah, and he had a good season from an ERA standpoint last year. Uh, I think he was in the 3 4 range. Yeah, which in the last, I think the year after he had that really elite run in Oakland, um, he was in the fours, the 420, and then last year he got it back down to like three four, three four three, I think. So uh, I, I really hope that he can pitch at that same level. I think I um, think like these guys at this age, like it's kind of like Trevor
1: Hoffman at the end of his career. He's not throwing 96 anymore, but he just knows how to pitch, yeah. knows where to put it so that he can get it done. And, I mean, he's
0: as reliable as they come still, even at this age. Right, so. right. And I you know, I hope that 87-mile-per-hour fastball doesn't get slammed, but I think if he's able to. He knows where to put it. If he can just locate it. And tonight he was leaving a couple pitches over the plate, which was a little concerning, but I'm sure he's still just working on stuff because that's the kind of player he is in terms of it's not regular season. Right. But, um definitely looked better tonight than he has in his last few spring training games. So. Right. Here's hoping Bartolo can uh, have another solid season for us and bridge the gap to the next generation. No, I mean there's a very
1: there's a very good chance like all these guys could be busts. Uh, let's hope the scouting department kind of I'd imagine they know a lot more than us. I hope so. And because I mean, we gave him like 11 million dollars to come in here this year, so
0: yeah, I think his Mets deal he was getting paid 12 million a year, so you know he's getting paid. Pretty damn good money, especially at his age. I mean, normally guys in their late thirties or you know forties that they are fortunate to play that long are making league minimum or you know a million, two million. Right? As they've regressed to the point where they're not contributing as much in a meaningful way or putting up as respectable numbers. Yep. And Bartolo is still able to do that somehow. At he's almost damn fifty years old. Yeah, so. it's
1: it's, abs- it's absurd. Um But it's a it's a one year deal. So I mean, there's. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. We'll move on. Um, but I, he could also become just an absolute Atlanta favorite. Like the people in New York still love him. Mm-hmm. They wish that they still had him. So let's just embrace this Bartolo.
0: If this is our only only year with the guy, we'll yeah. embrace the energy, embrace the fun, and hopefully he can give us something meaningful. Exactly. So, moving on. So, that we
1: got Julio, our number one starter. Bartolo's coming to number two. Number three, Jaime Garcia. He's the one guy. He's, uh, in my extensive research, his stats aren't looking that great. Tell us about that. Oh,
0: sure. So, oh, hit him up. he's an often injured guy. Yeah, especially 2013, 2014. Only played in a combined 16 games. So... Yeah, he's he's been hurt a lot
1: in his career. He he had two dominant years 2010, mm-hmm. 2011,
0: But even then, I mean, his twenty fifteen was really good too. Yes, Definitely,
1: but he's still he still only he, threw one hundred
0: twenty nine innings. Yeah, posted his career best in terms of ERA and, and WAR. Yeah, so. so I mean, he the potential's still
1: there for the guy to um, put up some good numbers for us. And he's only thirty. Yeah, so. Yeah, he's not dead. I mean he's fourteen years younger than Bartolo. <laughs> so he's
0: got that going for him. Um but yeah, last year he had a four sixty seven ERA. Yeah, definitely didn't pitch well. He he matched his career high in terms of games pitched at thirty two. Yeah. And I think he even came out of the bullpen a little bit as well last season. So um it'll be interesting to see Jaime pitch this year because He's been good in spring, though. Yeah, he's played. He's, he's pitched really in spring. He's one of those guys you haven't heard that much about, which is good considering the veteran. Because whenever you hear about a veteran in spring train, it's like, oh, their ERA is really high, or you're giving up a lot of hits, or um, so on and so forth in terms yeah. of pitchers. So, and
1: it's one of these things you, you don't see it in the stat line, but I, I feel like it does exist. He's pitched for the same team his whole career. Mm-hmm. He's been with the Cardinals forever. And sometimes a change, change of scenery does do something for a guy and just give him a little bump. So yeah, you never know. I mean, he, I, he's one of those guys as well because, I mean, obviously I would love for this team to be amazing, but realistically 500 ball would be awesome for mm-hmm. us. Maybe pushing for wild card.
0: So he could be one of those guys that has a great first half and we trade him off. If he's having a good season um, and we're out of contention clearly, then, yeah, he's definitely a guy that you could trade off a la Bud Norris last season when he really turned it around and was kicking ass and we traded him to the Dodgers. So Here's my question for you. Do you
1: think we would – um you think Copy would have signed these guys if it weren't for the new stadium? Like, if
0: we were still at Turner Field, would we just let the young guys go at it again? No, I think he was sending a clear message to the young guys saying, like, you know, to Whistler. He's taking a shit on Whistler you know saying pretty much that like this guy has not performed up to expectations. So you don't think this has anything to do with the stadium? I think that plays a little bit of a factor into it, but I think he's also saying hey, these young guys aren't ready and I've got to do something to at least make this team somewhat competitive for the new stadium. Right. So I think the new stadium plays a little bit of um, you know plays into, plays a little bit of a factor, but at yeah. the same time I think it's more of the fact that the young prospects either a aren't ready. Um, you know, like a Max Fried, Sean Newcomb, uh, Soroka, guys like that, or B, in the case of Whistler and Blair, have underperformed. We're going to chug right along in this. Certainly. Um,
1: we're down to our last old guy, R.A. Dickey. Let's see,
0: 47, days.
1: He's for- 42. 42, actually. Um, are also a one-year deal. Um, I mean, he's really... This- Exact same boat as Bartolo. Uh, until last year, he actually had six straight seasons of 200-plus innings. Just eating up innings with that John Rice-esque knuckleball of his. <clears throat> um, nice name drop. Mm-hmm. Uh, until last year. Last year had a bit of a drop-off. Um, had a four forty six ERA last year, where he was in the threes consistently. So... The argument of switching from AL to NL is actually valid, yeah. As a pitcher, right? Um, so I think we watched his interview after the exhibition today. He seemed pretty jacked about it. Um, looked pretty good. Yeah, he looked good today. Uh, gave me a lot more hope than I had after watching him the first couple times. So uh, no, for him the, the switch to NL that's going to help out a lot, and we'll see what we get out of him. I mean, he he could suck. Big time. But once again, one-year deal. We're not going to delve into this too much. What What else can we say? He's a, no,
0: there's not really much else to say He's about a knuckleballer. Him. He's he's going to give you what he's been giving Toronto probably with maybe slightly better numbers. If I can get a 40 R.A. from this guy and he eats up 200 innings, perfect. Yeah, exactly. I think that's all we should expect realistically yeah. from R.A. So, um, but once again, you know, with, with him... It's it's like with with all of these deals, which has been nice. It's one year. You're not locked into three or four years with these guys. Right. If they fuck up and they suck, or it just doesn't break the right way, so be it. You cut your losses at the end yep. of the season. It's it's really a win win situation. Yep. Either they overperform or perform adequately, or and and it's great, and maybe gives us a chance to compete. Or if it doesn't, you cut your losses. Move, and move on. on. Yeah, give a shit. And they're going to teach the young guys a lot along in this one. Yeah, and I think even though I know veteran presence, and and this is something that's mocked a lot on a lot of um, baseball sites where they spell presence like P R E S E N T S instead of how you should spell presence P R E S. -S 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 I don't understand that reference. Well, I'm saying there's a lot of baseball sites that will mock teams for signing. Veteran guys for their presence. And when I say presence, I mean like them existing in the space. Right. And they will actually spell it out as like a present, like you receive a Christmas present for some reason as a joke to mock the actual signing of the veteran because it's like, oh, their stats suck or their war is not good or their whip sucks yeah. or their fielding and independent pitching is bad. And it's like, I don't think you can really quantify the effect that a veteran pitcher has actually had sustained success before, even if they're not successful now. On guys who are coming up it's in like the It's like Dwight system. Franey with Vic Beasley. Exactly. Dwight Franey only had two or three sacks last year, but and we can't attribute all of Vic's success to Dwight, but he certainly was a mentor figure. right. And I think the same exact thing can happen. So I don't mind the signing of veterans, even if they're not going to be world beaters, because they will teach the next generation if right. they are guys who are willing to do that. Not all of them are, but all indications will say that R.A., And uh, Bartola, I'm not as certain with Jaime, but those two guys especially will teach Fulte. Tehran can still learn some more things. Anyone else who comes up, um, you know, if a newcomer comes up, which I don't think will happen, or anyone else from the minor league system, those guys can be there to to lend a helping hand, which is great. Yeah. So that's our that's our starting
1: now we only made it through four there.
0: Oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Feels like we've been here for about six hours. Yeah, this this is a log
1: episode, folks. This might be a two parter. So moving on, our final starter and our one truly young buck, part of the copy trade, what have yous is Fulty, brought in from the Evan Gaddis deal. Can you say his full name for the audience? Uh, Mike Foltynewicz, Navich, Navich. There you go. There we go. Um, and this guy, so he, I mean, he he pitched second half of 2015, I believe, and I think he, you're right. he had a full season last year, and uh, you know, watching him this year, he's truly starting to look like he's just on the verge of becoming a star. And I mentioned on this in the in a couple episodes ago. Where, like, he's our number five, but he's also going to be a guy, like, he's not a number five to skip over. Like, he's a potential ace. He throws 97, starts throwing harder the longer he gets into a game.
0: Yeah, and he can touch 100. He can, and his off-speed pitches, particularly his breaking ball, has looked pretty darn good this season. I
1: mean, he's a four-pitch arsenal type of guy, and he's learning how to command all of these. Uh, We've moved on from Roger McDowell. Yep who apparently wasn't so great at developing these young guys. So uh, hopefully we'll see some improvement on the coaching side of things there.
0: Yeah, I think the one thing to watch for Fulty is over his career with the Braves, um, because he when he played with Houston, he came out of the bullpen. And then when he came to the Braves in 2015, he was he was starting most of the time. Uh, is he's given up a lot of home runs. So 17 home runs given up in 2015, 18 home runs giving up. Uh, 18 home runs given up in 2016, so you're hoping those numbers can go down because that seems to be the one area where he's really getting bitten. His ERA went down a lot from 2015 to uh, 2016, so that his walks, walk in, walks and hits per innings pitched, so you like to see that. It goes ERA 5.71, which is atrocious to a more respectable 4.31 whip from 1.63 to 1.30, um, and he posted a positive war for the first time in his career. He got you a win, and almost a win and a half. So he's definitely training in the right direction. It seems like he's putting in the off-season work to really, um, you know, hopefully take that next step forward to becoming a solid top-of-the-rotation pitcher for us. And
1: also, I mean, the stats are the stats. But also, one of the huge things Fulte has focused on in the past... Really, year in the off season is his mental game, because he was always the type of guy where once things go wrong, they kind of escalated from there. It was really an avalanche effect. Couldn't work out of jams. Yeah,
0: total self destruction.
1: And he's really discovered that that's one of his huge faults, and he's working through that and
0: recognizes it. And we can't quantify the mental aspect of the game. And if you're able, if he's improved there, which I think. As you're saying, I think he definitely has, um, and that will help tremendously. Where you know there are going to be days where you're not going to have your best stuff, but you got to get your way through it. And I think there were times when he did, particularly in the 2015 season, when he probably wasn't ready to 100% pitch. No, uh, starting at the big league level when but he was really th- shelled, okay. and now it seems like, especially in spring training, every week you'd see well, what's the stat line on Fulte? Throwing five five innings, only giving up one run with like two hits and striking out three or four yeah. guys, it's like he's working out of jams. We're in the past; he didn't do that. Mm-hmm. And we're going to end the faulty segment with the most
1: pathetic stat of the 2016 Braves. Faulty was our
0: wins leader last year with nine. With nine. Now I like to point out that wins are a completely meaningless stat for a pitcher because you can pitch five innings. Give up five runs. I would also like to
1: point out find one year that Greg Maddox
0: had less than nine wins. You can say that, but if you look at across the board, you could get a guy who has a higher A, a high ERA in the in Forge or something like that, but gets a lot of run support from his team consistently over the pace of a whole career. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying to get an argument to sensationalize this. So really... Point is... Point is he won the most games, but to me that's a meaningless stat because wins are irrelevant because you can be carried. It depends on how you win. You and your liberal war guys. No, but listen, it depends on how you win. If you're able to go the distance, let's say you pitch a complete game and don't give up any runs and you get the win, obviously that's attributed a lot to you, but wins are not solely dependent On the pitcher, they're dependent on how the offense plays. They are, but you
1: look at any of the top pitchers in the major leagues, they're going to have 15-plus wins.
0: Because they put their teams in a position to win. It depends. It depends on the pitcher. It depends on the guys around you. I just don't think... I think people look at wins and losses as the end-all, be-all stat with pitching sometimes. And I think that's just a really short-sighted view um, in terms of how to evaluate a pitcher's value for a team. But it does show
1: you're consistently putting
0: your team... If you're consistently do putting your team in a position to win, I think that uh, you can easily win multiple games. If you're the guy... There's a guy on every, And this is something that can't be quantified. There's a guy on every single pitching staff.
1: Look, look at Shelby Miller.
0: Look at Shelby Miller when he was on our team. Okay. He, had, but he was a stud. And he was really a never stud. He had games. like five wins. Yeah, are you going right. to say he's a shitty pitcher? No, it was that a season? shitty team. It yeah. was a shitty team. So I'm just saying, there are a lot of factors to consider with wins and losses. And I think there's a lot of old-fashioned baseball guys who go by My the point
1: was, if <laughs> the win leader on your team only has nine wins, that was a shitty team. That's why it's a pathetic stat.
0: I guess you could say that. Yes. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> but wouldn't you say? Wouldn't you agree? That you can't look at wins and losses and as a pitcher and say, yes. Not is. solely. I was My point
1: was, I was saying, for the Atlanta Braves, if you're only pitcher, <laughs> the night wins. That's not good. Not good.
0: But you look at <laughs> look at Julio Tehran. Look at Julio Tehran. He's 7-10, but had a 3-2-1 ERA and a better whip than Fulton who had a, had a 4-3-1 ERA, and one three zero 1-3-0 ERA, uh, walks, hits, pitch. So, point is, folks, stop looking at wins and losses as the end all, be all stat. You can win six games in a year and still have a hell of a season, but you might not be getting any run support. Adam needs to learn these things.
1: Sorry, guys, what the wins and the losses. It's if not true, as important as war and blah, blah, blah. It's blah. not. It's not. All right, we're going to move on from the starting rotation. Time to talk bullpen, Graham. Let's
0: do it. (laughs) (laughs) Are we going to talk about how many wins the bullpen uh, has collectively? No. Or individually? Wins in the bullpen mean nothing. Oh, really?
1: I'll agree with you on that one. Okay, so the bullpen is a bit of an unknown right now. So we're going to start with the people that are, are known commodities starting with our closer old Jim Johnson. He's entered the season as the closer after converting uh 2023 saves last season. This is the year after we started with Jim Johnson in 2015, mm-hmm. traded him to the Dodgers where he sucked and he blew up like a 10 something ERA, I yeah. think. He went from a 2.25 ERA to a 10.13 ERA. It's an embarrassment, Yep. So maybe he's not a big market pitcher. Maybe not. And that's fine with us. Which works for us, because we're not a big market. Yep. So, Copy uh, kind of realized this last year, and he was having a solid year, so he just immediately re-upped him midseason. season uh, Two years, 10 mil.
0: So, we got him through the or 2018 season. Yep. This is the first year of that deal, mm-hmm. paying him $5 million this year. He did look really good down the stretch, and i like to point out something about Jim Johnson and how his career just could have been totally fucked. Point it out. He... Was a really dominant closer for the Orioles from about um, from about 2012 and 2013. Buck Showalter ran into the ground. He had 51 saves in 2012 and 2013. He had 50, and he pitched 68 innings and 70 innings the next season. I mean, combined he threw 138 innings or so. And for he, those of you that aren't stats guys. That's a bitch load of innings. Especially for a closer. Yeah. And it was pretty much, it seemed like um, every game, it seemed like almost no matter what the situation was, Jim Johnson was coming to the game for the Orioles. Right. He, a la Johnny Venters. Right. He leaves the uh, the Orioles in 2013, goes to Detroit the next season, and just flouts, sucks. 6'9", ERA, <laughs> does nothing. Goes to the A's the next season is even worse with the seven one four. Oh right? yeah, I had him on my fantasy team that year. He really pissed me yeah, off. Fucked up when you got a two point oh six whip. You're uh, you're not doing good. So the fact that the Braves took a chance on him in twenty fifteen and is able to sort of come back down to earth and put up respectable numbers with McDowell was really encouraging. And so I think, um, you know, he had a great season in twenty sixteen. We brought him back from L A. Um, yep. We were able to get you know prospects in that deal. Uh, I think he was traded with Alex Wood and then he comes back and delivers a uh a really nice season for us uh last last year and here's hoping that he can continue that success this year and into uh next season. Yeah, so I'm I'm comfortable with him. Yeah. At the end of the game for sure. But I commend him for being able to put the work in cuz he had easily folded after 2014 and just said fuck All it. Right.
1: Also, coming back to my what
0: who we traded
1: for what have you? Yeah. We don't need Kimbrel. I'll tell you that much. Like, what would Kimbrell have done for our team the past two years when everyone was so pissed off after us trading Kimbrel?
0: Nothing. Yeah, it would, have, it would have been a waste for him because he wouldn't be able to compete for, you know, postseason glory. It would have been a waste for us because it would have been like, well, we could have gotten something for him. And, and we traded away B.J. Upton. That was the key. I think if you, it would be interesting to know if, BJ's not a part of. Um, Although BJ was pretty good last year, Melvin, uh, Melvin Upton Jr., get it right was pretty decent um, last year, which really pisses me off. Of course, but I wonder if to get under to get uh, to get out of that contract, you know, if Kimbrel's not involved with that, like let's say you're able to trade BJ no. somehow, are would we still have kept Kimbrell? Yeah, but we traded Kimbrell to get rid of that contract. We did, but I'm just saying, would you have traded him independently of that if you could have? Yeah, probably. You know, Craig Kimbrell was always revered as a consummate teammate, great guy, and an elite, elite, elite closer. Top three closer in baseball. Yeah,
1: but he hasn't been that amazing since he left here,
0: and closers are really a little bit of a dime a dozen. You're asked to get three outs in one inning. Not to say anyone can do it. But right. There are more people that can do it than you think. Right. And Jim Johnson has proven, even though he's had some down years and even though he's starting to get on the wrong side of 30, he can still go out there and get you three outs in the ninth inning. Yeah. And for a rebuilding team,
1: we don't need to pay a closer $10 million
0: no. a year. Now, now in the postseason, things like that, When we hopefully when we get back there sooner rather than later. Right. Then's the time you want to kind of start well then you hope someone into. like mauricio cabrera is ready or, right or yeah. viscaino is able yeah. to get back to where he was speaking of viscaino
1: this is going to be our starting out the season eighth inning man but he's also going to be pushing jim johnson a good a little bit for yeah that closing because he i mean he 2015 this guy was a stud um i, I would say his win loss record but graham has already established that doesn't matter and It's inconsequential to him. But uh, 1.6 ERA. Is that good, Graham? That's damn good. Is that good? Yeah. Uh, I'll take that all day. Uh, 9 out of 10 saves. Uh, Injury bugs bit this guy a good bit over his career. But if he stays healthy, he's proven he's a known commodity. Um, Strong spring, one run and nine innings pitched. I'll take that all day, so... Eighth and ninth inning, if we can get there, I feel pretty confident in this bullpen that they're going to get the job done. The bigger question mark is going to be the names in front of them to actually get to the eighth and ninth inning. So, moving on to that, our, our seventh inning guy, it's going to be kind of our Johnny Venters, if you will, uh, Ian Kroll. This guy, he was um, he's, he's one of our two lefties in our pen right now. And... Uh, one of the the real big, so like, bright spots from 2016. Am I wrong? Yeah, no, he definitely did a really good job last season. He came over in the Cameron-Maben trade. And uh, he's a four-pitch guy, fastball, cut fastball, curveball, mm-hmm. change up. And the only concern I have with him is, I mean, he's going to, like, I just don't want to run this
0: guy into the ground, you know? There's that. I think another concerning issue with him is his high batting average uh, against with left-handers. You know, I hate to play the lefty-lefty card or, um, you know, things like that. But his splits, career, career-wise, career have been higher. Um, you know, he, he's done better against right-handers. And, um, you know, if you're... Going traditional, which I know Snicker is more eh, a little bit more of a traditional baseball coach. Um, you know, putting him in that situation, if your career average is at 287 right now, it's only 87 at bats, so it's not the biggest sample size. So he can definitely right. improve upon that. But that's still a little bit concerning when you're talking about hey, who's our lefty situational pitcher? And you can maybe go back to a Flaherty who's sort of drunk, drank from the fountain of youth, or something over the off season, yeah. or I don't know, been blessed by a, a shaman or something, but. At the same time, if you want to rely on Ian Kroll to get out left-handed batters, um, i a bit concerned with the two eighty seven average against him. That's fair. I'm an ERA guy myself.
1: Yeah. 3.18 ERA for the year. No, it's... Like I said, he's a nice surprise.
0: Yeah, and I think he can build upon that. He's only 25, so... Yeah. I mean, it's not to say that he's, his uh, projections are set in stone or even stats moving forward. I mean, I think he can yeah. definitely improve upon that. He's only pitched four years in the league and, um, you know, he's moved around a lot, started with Washington went to Detroit for a couple of seasons. Now he's, uh, now he's here. So if he can settle in and, um, hopefully contribute in a meaningful fashion. Innings eater. We'll take the guy on the seventh inning. Yeah. Made a lot I, of, comparisons. him. Yeah. Made a lot of, uh, appearances last year. Career yeah. high, 63 games pitched. So hopefully he can build upon that. And, uh, you know, get that average down against left-handers and be able to be a uh, you know more effective pitcher that way. And then coming back to our other lefty, uh,
1: Mr. Eric O'Flaherty, who was he was uh, pretty much the
0: epitome of the shitty bullpen from last year. He was god awful. I remember Freddie Gonzalez before he was fired was just relying on O'Flaherty. It seemed like every single time we had a meaningful no, situation, he, he pushed the hu- the hell out of him in two thousand nine. Well two thousand seventy-eight. that was Bobby. But I'm talking about Freddie last season. Freddie oh, Bobby. Okay. Yeah. But but Freddie last season, it seemed like he was thinking that the Flaherty was the Flaherty of 2011 2012, and he just clearly wasn't. Six nine one ERA last season just wasn't wasn't there, right? No,
1: definitely not. He wasn't the same guy. Uh but there's a reason for that. So he he's had the Tommy John before, mm-hmm. uh, but apparently all of uh, last year. I mean, he still had something wrong in his sh- shoulder, and he got this ulnar nerve surgery this past off season, and uh, now he's actually being able to get full extension again, which was the kicker last year. And so, like last year, he was saying like he was just throwing sinkers away and just hoping for the best. And getting shelled, like we saw with that 6.91. Mm-hmm. But now he actually has control of his pit full arsenal again. And he's still only 30? What's he, 30 now? He's 32. 32.
0: But he feels like the guy he was back in the day. Yeah, I mean, we have watched him pitch tonight. His stuff was electric. I mean, the movement on the fastball was there. So clearly that surgery must have really helped him out. And I'm really excited because I'm a, I'm a nostalgia whore. I love me some Eric O'Flaherty. Yep. I mean, I loved him from his whole stint here from 2009 to 2013. I still think if he hadn't gotten injured in 2013, we'd have a much better chance against the Dodgers in that series. But that's neither here nor there. Yep. Um. So it's great to see him pitching well again. I mean, I love it.
1: Yeah. No, I'm 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 excited about him. Like, he's passing the eye test so far. Yeah. Like last year he looked like complete garbage. Yeah. Um, and really the last... I've seen better lefties at Medlock Park.
0: Yeah, really the last two seasons he was roughed up, either when he was on Oakland or New York Mets. It was uh, it was ugly. Even on the Mets, his, his ERA was in the double digits. So yep. I, I thought he was done, and I thought he was done last year, but clearly he has the testicular fortitude to tell us to go fuck ourselves. You so. heard it
1: here first. Atlanta Zone. Eric O'Flaherty's back this year. I, would, I, I expect, I'm going to throw out a prediction, my first prediction. Okay, let's do it. I expect Eric O'Flaherty. I'm going to give him 55 innings pitch this year. He's going to have a sub 3.2 ERA. Okay. I'll hold you to that. Okay. And we're not going to bore you with the rest of the bullpen because it's a bit of a toss-up from here. We got Josh Colemanter, who I kind of like having in the bullpen. He's going to be our guy eats up a bunch of innings when we suck. Uh, the a
0: long reliever I assume Yeah right? long,
1: re- long reliever Mauricio Cabrera's on the DL Which sucks Joel De La Cruz Jose Ramirez Who No he's cut The lefty is kind of cut So Yeah I think our
0: lefties are going to be Kroll and Flaherty
1: David Hernandez we signed He was the guy You've seen him with the Phillies I'm I think he's going to end up Making the team Grizzled veteran Looks like he's been through some shit Kind of looks like Rudy Sienes To me uh, Chaz Rowe, I have zero notes on him. Apologies. And Kevin Chapman, he cleared waivers. He's going to be in AAA. He could come up at some point. I'm sure we'll need him. Um, But another interesting stat I pulled was that our bullpen last year, we had the fifth most uh, pitches thrown in the major leagues last year. So, I mean – that's the one thing we just got to cut down on that because there's going to be late in the season, so many blown games in the seventh, eighth inning if the bullpen stacks like that again.
0: Yeah, we can't wear out the bullpen like we did last year, and I think once again that was attributed to young guys or guys who are past their prime, like a Chihou-less Chassin, who, funnily, uh, you know, in comedic fashion, is the San Diego Padres starting pitcher. I know. So if I you heard think that. that's hilarious, if you think we suck, yeah. Imagine if your st- st- opening day pitcher is Jehulis Chassin. And the, yeah, I even saw the, the Padres Twitter, and it was just like, opening day starter, Chassin. And it was like, oh. It's pretty sad. Yeah. So
1: we have more hope than other cities out there. Absolutely.
0: Keep in mind, you're not San Diego. You yeah. didn't lose your NFL team. You don't have the shittiest baseball team around. Um, so final predictions on the season, Adam. Where do you see the Braves in terms of wins, losses, and where they stand in the NL East? I think, considering the NL East, considering the Nationals are once again considered to be f- fucking America's darlings, even though they lose in the first round of the playoffs every time they go there. How many games do they play nowadays? 160?
1: 162, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> so 162.
0: I see us being uh, an eighty. I think we could be an eighty-one team. I'm sort of thinking in the same ballpark, just because Freddie Freeman's is going to have a hell of a year. The starting rotation will be an upgrade. I think the bullpen will be solid, and um, minus the defensive issues I'm having. I think we can definitely be an team. And eighty-one if we, team. Eighty-one team, pushing really, for a second wild card. Yeah, spot. if we really overachieve, we can push for the second wild card. Spot, yeah, which would be really exciting, especially with this new ballpark opening. Yeah. So I, I'm, 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 a, I'm aligned with you, sir. I, I would like to disagree with you and get another epic argument, but I'm really, really 80. excited. We're not, we're not overreaching at eighty. No, and I think all these projection systems that have us winning sixty games or sixty-eight games, they didn't watch us the last. You know, the last year of the, uh, or not last year, the last month of the season, the last month and a half, when we really took off. And I think we're going to ride that momentum, Snickers, positive influence. And we're going to come in and hopefully surprise some people. Freddie Freeman's saying, fuck this shit. We said that we were going to compete for the NL East in prior years when we were rebuilding, but now we actually mean it. Yeah. And I'm going to hold him There's to his some word. There's some truth to that. Yeah. So we are predicting a push for the second wild card on March 31st, 2017. So that wraps up the second
1: part of our two-part Atlanta Braves 2017 preview. We uh, appreciate you guys listening and uh, would love any feedback that you guys could provide on our social media. If we suck, please let us know. Uh, But if you like us also, that'd be a good thing to know as well. So you can find us on uh, Facebook at Atlanta Zone, an Atlanta sports podcast. And please subscribe on the iTunes at Atlanta Zone podcast. I think we're pretty close in the um, ratings to This American Life. <laughs> we're right up there with them. Oh,
0: yeah. And, yeah, definitely tell your friends if you think they would enjoy Two Drunks rain about Atlanta sports for an hour or so. For Graham Waldrop, I'm Adam Kalau.
1: how's it.